This is the BA Coach Podcast, episode number 29. Welcome to the BA Coach Podcast, online at thebacoach.com. Helping business analysts take their craft to the next level. It doesn't matter if you are a brand new BA or you've been practicing for many years. There is always something we can all do to take our BA skills and techniques up a notch. And now, here is your host, author, blogger, musician, and BA evangelist, Yaqub Muhammad, also known as Yamo. Hello there and welcome to episode number 29 of the BA Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Yaqub Mohammed, a.k.a. Yamo, a.k.a. at the BA Coach on Twitter. I hope you're having a wonderful season of fall and enjoying all the beautiful colors out there. And uh, today's episode is a Bach Talk with Matthew Leach from Boston. But before we get started, I have a few announcements. Um, we just completed the final session of the online prep course for this year. And, uh, you know, fortunately, it was attended by 20 BAs from around the globe. We had attendees from Australia, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, USA, Canada, and Colombia. And a quick shout out for Kareem and Ali, who had to wake up at 3 a.m. to attend the course. No kidding, eh? And if you're listening to this, thank you, guys. And it means a lot. In, in any case, if you want to be part of the first session of the new year, uh, please go to the bacoach.com forward slash online prep. And also, if you happen to be in London, UK, uh, I would love to meet you in person as a listener. You know, it would be nice to find out how it is going, how you found the podcast and the blog to be useful and such. And uh, there's a mini gathering uh in London and uh, you know I'm there for two weeks first two weeks of November I'm teaching a CBAP prep boot camp there so uh, you just email me you know at yamo at the bacoach.com or you could DM me at the BA coach and I can provide you the details about the gathering so I'm meeting a few uh, podcast guests and listeners from uh, London and it would also be nice to connect with you and meet with you so uh, back to our episode today, uh, which is a Bach talk. And, uh, you know, as business analysts, whenever we look at a change in an organization, the people aspect of the analysis is so critical and important, right? And, and it is also extremely essential to pause as analysts and think through all the facets of stakeholder analysis. And fortunately, the BA Bach has a separate detailed task dedicated to this. So in this episode, you will learn about the importance of conducting stakeholder analysis. And we discuss things like, you know, how it helps in scoping, why it needs to be iterative, discussion around the inputs of this task and how they apply in a real world scenario, using process modeling and scope modeling for stakeholder analysis how to create a stakeholder profile and how to tackle the stakeholder complexity. And, and we talk through this with an example of a retail client that Matthew worked with. And uh, also, you know, how to convert a negative attitude of a stakeholder to a positive one and, and much more. So without further ado, here's Bach Talk with Matthew. 
Welcome to the Bok Talk. It's great to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be on Bok Talk today and to talk about such an interesting topic. Interesting and important. And uh, for our listeners, uh, the reason Matt's here today is because he is uh, an expert business analysis consultant. He he comes to you guys with being there, done that approach towards stakeholder analysis. Because, you know, normally as consultants, we go out and, you know, talk to new companies, new stakeholders. So you're always like doing new things. And, and that's a great uh, experience to have. And, and especially in stakeholder analysis, because that's one of the first and most important things to do as part of business analysis. Um, so and, and Matt is also extremely active within the community. He has written articles on stakeholder analysis and modern analyst. And he's done a bunch of other things. We will talk about all that too. Let's talk about the importance of stakeholder analysis, which is uh, just for our listeners from the BA Bach, it's uh, task 2.2. Uh, it, it is part of the business analysis planning and monitoring chapter. Well, Yamo, I think regardless of the industry you're in, you know, the company you're, you're working for, the role you might have, the methodology that you're using, stakeholder analysis really transcends all those. And it's, it's so important because if you're going to define requirements, if you're going to get information, if you're going to ask questions, you need to know who to pose those questions to, who to get, gather that information from, and you need to understand those individuals. And that's really where stakeholder analysis comes into play. Hmm. And I think this slight misconception when it comes to stakeholder analysis. Uh, some business analysts think that it is an activity that is done right in the beginning and then you forget about it, sort of, uh, which is, uh, you know, maybe se 60 to 70 percent true, but is, that's not always the case, right? So, well, yeah, well, like you said, stakeholder analysis is very important at the beginning of any initiative or, or project. It's, you know, included in the uh, business analysis planning and monitoring the knowledge area because it's one of those early stage activities that you want to take on when you first kick off a project. It's going to help with the scoping. It's going to help you understand the business need. It's going to facilitate all those things. Mm -hmm. But you're right in saying that it's also uh, an iterative process. And it's something that needs to be done throughout the entire life cycle of a project. Uh, stakeholders change. You might discover new stakeholders through your analysis. A stakeholders' attitudes or influences might change. You want to make sure you understand that. In addition, many of the activities that we perform as business analysts, you know, uh, holding a requirements workshop, eliciting information, um, those require the input from other individuals, from other stakeholders. And stakeholder analysis really contributes to those other activities by helping us know who to include and when to include them so that we can get the information that we need. Exactly. So just to sum it up, it's not just identification. It's also, you know, analysis and assessment of their influence, authority and attitude. I think these three are sort of the core of stakeholder analysis. That's right. You want to not just identify your stakeholders, but understand them yeah. so that you can work with them as effectively as possible. Exactly. And, you know, just to throw in some uh, real world dynamics, people may be losing their jobs or people may be you know, threatened when they hear a change is coming. So you'll also have to look at it from an angle of, of people too. Like you have to understand the people side of it because people don't like change. So, and business That's analysis right. is all about change. Something people are always resi resistant to change, but if you can understand why they might be resistant, why they might be hesitant, 
uh, you can really help facilitate that change and really win them over and make sure that it's successful. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, uh, from the uh, BA Bach perspective, the inputs of this task, which are uh, organization process assets, the business need and enterprise architecture, the acronym being one O-N-E. So let's start with OPA, which is organization process assets. What are some of the things that you use uh, from this input that helps you with stakeholder analysis? So I know in my own organization, we have a certain techniques and templates that we use for stakeholder analysis. Uh, one of those, I think we, we can talk about a little bit now and a little bit later throughout the podcast is the stakeholder profile. You know, that's a, a specific uh, really asset that we have that help facilitate our stakeholder and analysis. And that's really a tool to help gather and store information on the stakeholders as you identify them. And I think business need is important because you want to know what you are going to talk about and also who is going to be affected or impacted by that need. That's right. You know, you need to understand what the business need is so that you can reach out to the right people. You can bring the right stakeholders in through identification, then understand them through uh, the later analysis of your stakeholders. And uh, how have you used enterprise architecture? So I think it's great when an organization has a mature enterprise architecture. I think it's a rare thing. A lot of organizations don't, but it's a great asset to have and a great input in the stakeholder analysis because by looking at the different organizational units, the different customers, suppliers, you can understand who's going to be involved in a change, and that's going to facilitate the identification of stakeholders. Also, you can get a feel for the organization, and you'll know what, what questions to ask, um, what you need to elicit from your stakeholders and also probably have a little bit of review into what their attitude or influence might be within the business, within the organization. So enterprise architecture assets are really great for all those things. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the the big deal about, you know, Bach Talk, Matt, is really how do all the techniques and all the different aspects of a task or a knowledge area manifest in the real world, right? So uh, with that regard, Let's talk a little bit about techniques uh, in terms of, you know, some of the general techniques for Bach Talk and also specific tech in terms of general techniques for stakeholder analysis and also specific techniques for stakeholder analysis uh, and how these manifest and what are the different uh, deliverables that, that a BA could produce or think of producing when, when doing this task. Okay, so two of the techniques that I use when conducting stakeholder analysis are general techniques right out of the box. And uh, my two favorites are really process model modeling mm -hmm. and scope modeling. So I'll use these techniques in order to identify uh, who uh, potential stakeholders are and to help me understand those stakeholders, understand some of their, you know, their attitudes and influence and conduct that analysis that I need in order to conduct future business analysis activities. So. Uh, for instance, for process modeling, you know, if you look at our process model and you can see the d different pools and lanes that might be on that model, well, those are stakeholders right there. Mm -hmm. And by understanding the activities those stakeholders perform and how they interact with other stakeholders, you can really not only identify them, but understand them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so do you create process models when, when there are none available or do you just kind of, uh, you know, take something that's existing? 
Well, I think it's, it's always great when they're available, right? There's no sense in starting from scratch, but usually as part of an engagement that I'm on, I'll be creating process models, uh, not just to understand the stakeholders, but also to understand the business. And part of that understanding is, of course, the stakeholder analysis. Yeah. And how has scope modeling helped you in, you know, identifying stakeholders? So uh, when I do scope modeling, I'm looking to understand uh, both the solution and the business. So I use what I call a business context diagram, which is kind of like a level zero DFD. Mm-hmm. And I'll use this diagram to document you know, the different goals of the organization, the processes, but also the users, the systems, and any external entities that might be involved. So users, systems, and external entities many times will lead to potential stakeholders. So for instance, if you ident- identify a particular external system that's going to be involved in whatever change you're undertaking, well, odds are someone owns that system, someone's responsible for it. And right there, you have a stakeholder for your change that you're going to have to consider. It helps you to also get to know the fringes of the change that you're handling, right? That's right. You'll, get, you'll understand all the different interactions that take place, the different inputs and outputs, uh, and how any change that you're undertaking is going to impact the organization as a whole. Yeah. So... Just to talk in terms of deliverables, so when you do process modeling and scope modeling, the sense that I'm getting is that you create more of work products, right? Maybe scope modeling, you you actually create a business context diagram. Um, But for process modeling, you just kind of come up with a list of stakeholders. That's about it, right? That's right. So when I'm performing stakeholder analysis, many times, that stakeholder analysis will be part of a deliverable. I might include, you know, the list of reviewers in a, a package of requirements and, you know, who's going to approve them. But many times that stakeholder analysis and the stakeholders that I identify and understand, that information is going to help me later on in my business analysis activity. It's going to help me know who to invite to my requirements workshop, mm. who to go and interview, who to observe. Mm-hmm. I, it's going to really help with that uh, requirements elicitation and requirements analysis. So one of my favorite ways to really capture all that information, because you need to put it somewhere, Mm -hmm. is that stakeholder profile that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. The stakeholder profile really is a document. You know, a lot of times I'll just use um, an Excel document. Uh, It's a place to store your information about your stakeholders. So as I go through and I'm looking at my process models or I'm building that business context diagram Mm -hmm. and I'm identifying my stakeholders, I'm going to capture information about them. So, you know, I'll of course get their name, but I'll also try to get a description of that stakeholder, you know, get their contact information. We're going to want to make sure we can get back in touch with them. Mm-hmm. So after that basic information, I'll start to dive into things like expectations. So what expectations does that stakeholder have from the change that we're working on? You know, their expertise. So what's their specific area of expertise? How can they contribute to this change? Mm. I'll look to understand their organizational influence. So this is that attitude influence thing that we talked a little bit about before, Yamo. You know, mm-hmm. you know, are they a formal influencer? You know, maybe it's a VP, maybe it's the CEO. You know, a lot of formal influence involved there. Or do they have a fair amount of informal influence? You know, mm-hmm. are they just well respected in the organization? These are things you're going to want to understand about your stakeholders so that you can both engage them and understand them and use them properly for your change. Yeah. Finally, I like to look at goals. I'll include individual stakeholder goals within my my stakeholder profile. So what are they, they looking to accomplish? Mm-hmm. If you understand their goals, you can help that under, uh, stakeholder also understand how this change can benefit them. And I think that's really important, especially when we're, when we're looking at change management and we're looking to really win someone over onto our side uh, and making a change successful. 
Yeah, and, and I think you brought out some really cool points, Matt. Uh, stakeholder profile, sort of, you know, uh, creating like a mini database of stakeholders that you could refer to and understand them better and also update it all along the project because things do change as you're moving along, right? Absolutely. You know, many, many times on my projects, I might discover a new stakeholder. Mm. So for instance, if I'm conducting a facilitated session and I'm talking to a group, maybe we're brainstorming, we're, we're, we're whiteboarding, one of my final questions might be, who else should I talk to? You know, who else should I get information from? And many times that question right there is gonna help uncover new stakeholders. So I wanna go back to my stakeholder profile, add these people and make sure that I'm including them in any future analysis activities that I'm performing. Absolutely. And uh, is this something that you sort of, you know, maintain uh, within the team or just it's a private document? Because obviously you cannot expose everything about stakeholders to everyone, right? That, that's right. Uh, you know, it's important for this document to make sure that you're capturing the right information. And the right information can be sensitive sometimes. Hmm. So if, uh, you know, someone is resistant to change and, and, and giving you a lot of problems, you're going to want to document that and make sure you have that information in your stakeholder profile so that it's useful for you, to you. You know, you, you can go back and remember that. Yeah. So for that reason, and the reason, because some of this information might be sensitive, I usually keep this one pretty close to me, mm -hmm. probably just you know, expand it to the core team of individuals that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Definitely uh, some, not something I'm going to you know, post on the internet anywhere. It's, uh, yeah. But it's a, it's a great work product for that core team so that they know exactly what they're dealing with and who they need to include throughout their business analysis activities. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about specific techniques for stakeholder analysis. Uh, I think the first one, which is kind of important, is, is the RACI matrix. So uh, if, if, I, if I get the stakeholder profiling right, that kind of acts as an input to RACI matrix, is it? That's right. It can be really a starting point for your RACI matrix, you know? And for those who uh, might not be as familiar with the bot, when we say RACI matrix, we're talking about identifying who's going to be responsible, accountable, consulted, and informed for the activities that we're performing as part of our, our project or our initiative. So that's where the RACI, RACI acronym comes from. Mm. So since you've already built out your stakeholder profile, you can then take those individuals that you've identified as stakeholders and start to assign this RACI designation to each of them yeah absolutely and uh, one thing to note there is sorry, is that one person could have more than one um you know assignment that person could be responsible and accountable both so it need not be like one-to-one -one relationship right that, that's right i think you know uh, a traditional role that usually has a dual assignment might be the executive sponsor so as you just said yama that executive sponsor could be responsible for the work that, that's, t that's taking place, but you're probably, they could be accountable for it as well as a decision maker, but you're probably also going to want to consult them as part of your business analysis activities. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's always good to kind of make note of that in your uh, RACI matrix, right? Absolutely. So you actually create a spreadsheet uh, that has uh, like just the names of all the stakeholders and you, you assign these roles to them. Is there anything more that you add in that spreadsheet? So as part of that spreadsheet, I'll also start to think about the different activities that we'll be performing as part of this change, as part of this initiative or, or, or project, mm -hmm. and really break it down to 
which of these stakeholders is going to be either responsible, accountable, consulted, or informed for those, those different activities. Mm. What that's going to do is it's going to help me understand who I have to invite to meetings, who I have to include, who a reviewer might be. Uh, and it's also going to help set the expectations with my different stakeholders. So if I share this racy matrix with them, mm. with their names and the different activities and their particular roles, they're going to know what their time commitment is. They're, they're going to make sure that they understand how they're going to contribute to this project. And that's going to make my life easier and probably the PM's life easier too. Yeah. And I think it, one important thing to note there is you have to share this with your stakeholders and get it approved from them so that they they know what their position is in the project, right? That's right. You know, I'll sometimes uh, when I hold a meeting or something to kick off, kick off a project, I'll put together a PowerPoint slide that is the RACI matrix for each activity. I'll put it right up on the screen mm-hmm. and walk through it with the different stakeholders that are in the room so that they're very, they very clearly understand mm-hmm. what their responsibility is, what their role is going to be for a particular activity. And that's an opportunity for them to stand up and say, you know, yes, I am informed. Yes, I am consulted. You know, talk about their particular role in the project and make sure that they understand what that role is. Exactly. And what it entails, right? That's correct. You know, they can get a sense of time commitment and things like that uh, so that your effort won't be stalled later on down the road uh, by not having resources available. Yeah, for sure. So how have you used stakeholder maps in your projects? So stakeholder maps, I think, are very effective um, for capturing you know, the, the attitude and influence uh, type of characteristics of, of stakeholders. So um, you know, one way that I've actually recently used this was with my work with the BABOX3 core team. So I'm part of the uh, core team that's looking to create the third version of the business analysis body of knowledge. And as part of a recent meeting, we actually created a, a stakeholder matrix uh, for the, the BABOC. So who are the stakeholders of the, of the BABOC and what is their impact going to be on version three of the BABOC? And that was actually a really fun activity. You know, the chance to kind of apply business analysis to business an- analysis. Um, and it really helped us understand our mission and, 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 and vision for uh, version three. That's great. So. In the project itself, uh, Matt, do you create a, a separate document sort of to kind of depict that? So, Yamo, yeah, on my pro- projects, what I'll do is I'll capture some of that attitude and influence information in my stakeholder profile, mm. but I'm also a very visual person. I like to have the diagrams and maps. Um, I, I'm kind of a PowerPoint junkie, so you might see something like a stakeholder matrix on a PowerPoint slide that I can show to a meeting room or show to my stakeholders mm. uh, to help me understand you know, someone's particular influence, someone's particular impact on a project, and how those two factors relate to each other. And uh, let's talk a little bit about stakeholder relationship model, which uh, I happened to read on, on the post that you posted on Modern Analyst. And I wanted to get a sense of that and uh, see if you have some tips for our listeners. So the stakeholder relationship model is something that I build a lot of times just on a whiteboard, you know, very simple to the diagram that identifies who my stakeholders are, but also shows the information that's passed between stakeholders and the relationships between stakeholders. Mm. So I think many times on projects, you're going to have a primary set of stakeholders who are very obvious, you know, the users of a system, you know, very obvious stakeholder who's going to be involved in the project. 
But many times there's also secondary, even tertiary stakeholders mm -hmm. that need to be considered as part of the change. And the stakeholder relationship model helps us understand those. It's kind of like um, the five whys uh, technique for identifying stakeholders, right? You can kind of keep asking who's the stakeholder, who's the stakeholder, and build out a map and relationships between them so that you fully understand um, who should be consulted or who should be informed or who should be brought on to a project as part of a change. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the key thing to note there is to ask probing questions, is to, is to keep asking the question until you, you get the answer, right? That, that's right. I, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of asking questions questions uh you know sometimes my my clients might not like that quite as much as i maybe i tend to ask a lot of questions i know i i think it's a really good way to get information out you know and to conduct those interviews and questionnaires and stuff like that to get information because by asking the right questions you're going to get the information you need as a business analyst in order to do your job um i find that bas traditionally are very inquisitive people yeah absolutely so um let's talk about some challenges that RBAs could face when they are conducting stakeholder analysis uh, from the perspective of uh, different elements that are part of this task. So uh, let's talk about complexity of a stakeholder group. So this includes like the number and variety of end users and also number of interfacing business units, processes and such. So what has been your experience in terms of uh, this aspect and what challenges have you faced? So stakeholder groups can be very complex, and it's important to understand that complexity. And actually, this is a really good place to use both that stakeholder relationship model that I just talked about, as well as the stakeholder profile. Mm. And yeah, well, I'll give you one example uh, from a project that I recently worked on, mm. where we had a complex group of stakeholders, and it was important for the uh, results of the project to identify those, d d those, those different stakeholders. Mm. So I was working on a project for, um, a retail client of ours and we were really redesigning their retail experience and part of that was looking both at their US locations and also at their international lo locations. So obviously one of our stakeholders was the employee who's working in the retail location. You know, that was an obvious one to us. That was a primary stakeholder that we immediately ident identified. Mm. However, as we continued to work through this project, we realized that that was actually a fairly complex stakeholder because not only did that employee have different roles within the retail location, but that person would also change based on where they were in the world. So the challenges that someone in the US faced were very, very different from the challenges that someone in an international location faced. So all of a sudden we had a very complex stakeholder that we had to understand and there was actually a lot of variety there. Yeah. So understanding that helped us helped us with our analysis, we could ask the right questions to the right people and get the information that we needed. Absolutely. So essentially an employee of the same organization, but in different locations could be different stakeholders. That's right. You know, that's a very complex stakeholder and that complexity is important to understand. Absolutely. So is there a way that you handle this, like in terms of, you know, uh, dealing with it at a tactical level? So what we did uh, is we used our stakeholder profiles. We made sure that we captured that information. And we also, you know, to, to kind of back up one element here, we, we took a look at our identification and we asked a lot of people within that organization to help us identify stakeholders. You know, as a consultant, a lot of times I'll come into an organization 
And I'm not going to know all the complexities. I'm not going to know everything about that organization. I'm not someone who's been there for 20 years who really understands the entire environment. Mm. So it's important to seek out those, those veterans, those people who really have an understanding of the business, of the organization, and have them assist you with your stakeholder analysis because they're going to know the right individuals. They're going to know the complexities. Uh, they're going to be able to really help you out. Yeah, for sure. So in terms of attitude and influence of stakeholders, what are some, some of your big challenges when it comes to you know, performing this task? So attitude and influence are, are, are tough ones. And this is really where the analysis portion of stakeholder analysis comes into play. Mm. So this is the point where you've already identified who your stakeholders are, and now you want to really understand them. And two ways to understand them is to look at their attitude. And it can be their attitude to change, their attitude to the organization. Um, you know, and that attitude is going to impact how they contribute to the project. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do they see value in defining requirements? So they're, or are they going to sit in the back of your meeting and kind of, you know, not pay attention? Um, you know, what's their attitude towards collaboration? Are they going to be a good contributor to the change? These are important things to understand because once you understand their attitude, mm. you can kind of change your analysis techniques. You can change your approach in order to best use them considering their attitude. So, Matt, from your experience, do you have an example where you've swayed a negative attitude to a positive one? And if you can share with us a story of how you accomplished that, it would be great. Well, Yamo, I think that, as you said before, people are very resistant to change, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially when things like, you know, will my job change? Will my roles or responsibilities change? Um, that can come into play a lot. Hmm. So one of my favorite aspects of my job is that I get to work with organizations to help build a business analysis competency. Hmm. So build up centers of excellence for business analysis within organizations. Hmm. Anytime that you're changing an organization or you're changing its structure like that, there's going to be some change involved and there could be people who are resistant to that change. Yeah. So BAs wonder if their role is going to change, you know, I know what's going to be expected of them. Hmm. And there can be some attitude implications there. So a lot of times what I'll do is I try to highlight the, the benefits. I try to show someone how a change is going to improve the way they're able to do their job or make their life easier or provide any type of benefit to them. And by highlighting those benefits, you can win them over to your side and they'll become really an advocate and a champion for your, for their, for your change if they believe it's going to benefit them in the long run. So it's really having them see the picture and showing them the benefits. That's right. When it comes to change, people can very easily focus on the negatives. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very, always important to make sure that you shift that focus over to the positives. So try and find ways in your projects that you could do to shift the attitudes to the positive side. Absolutely. All right. So do you have any other examples like from... Uh, like a real-world project? So real-world product examples. Well, one that I can tell you a little bit about is a project that I worked on recently um, where we were helping a, a client of ours roll out a new product. Mm. And new products are tough because they can really impact the entire organization. So it was very important for us to understand the stakeholders and people who are going to be involved as part of this new product rollout. And it was interesting because when we started to have conversations, we started with a very small stakeholder group. Mm -hmm. And as we started to ask probing questions, as we started to be, kind of begin our stakeholder identification, 
we realized that that group needed to expand. Uh, and that expansion really almost changed the scope of the project, but it changed the scope of the project in a good way. Hmm. Because we were able to uh, look at the different aspects of the change and how they would impact the organization and adjust the project in order to handle those changes earlier rather than later down the line where they might have costed more to fix. So I think it was really great that we were able to conduct stakeholder analysis early, adjust the scope of the project based on that analysis, and I think we really probably saved a fair amount of money, time, and effort, and really frustration by including the right people early in the project. So that kind of helped them to change their attitudes, is it? I, I, I think we changed a few attitudes there. Okay. Uh, you know, again, new products are hard because people are resistant to change. Uh, but once you show them the, the benefits, you know, the benefits to the organization, the benefits to their customers, um, that's really uh, a strong way to sell a change. And actually, yeah, well, if I can real quick, I'll say one stakeholder that I think is left out a lot is the customer. You know, a lot of times people think about the internal consumers inside of an organization, mm. but many times the customer of a particular organization, a particular business is often a stakeholder that's impacted somehow. And it's always important to consider them as a stakeholder. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's an important thing to consider as business analysts. So, Matt, in terms of authority levels, do you have any challenges that you faced in terms of, you know, who's going to approve, inspect, or review the requirements? And what were your challenges in that area? So, when it comes to authority levels, you know, that's one thing that you're going to look at a little bit further down, down the line in terms of maybe your requirements lifecycle process, right? Your, your reviewers, your approvers. But that later step is directly related to stakeholder analysis because odds are you're identifying those individuals like let's say the project sponsor very early on in the beginning of your initiative mm -hmm. so identifying that person making sure that they're communicated with early in the project then you know and that they're continually updated mm -hmm. throughout the project and you can do that because you identified them earlier you know that's really going to help facilitate the sign-off or facilitate the review of any work products or requirements packages that you've put together because there really won't be any surprises. If you've identified that person, you've built your communication plan, and you've followed it, uh, it's only going to help things move forward because they're not going to you know, get to two months, late at the, two months later at the end of the project, open up your requirements spec and say, what is this? They're going to be constantly informed, and uh, it's only going to make things easier, as I said before. Yeah, so... One big way to handle uh, this challenge or, you know, any potential challenges is to identify upfront and communicate it to them. That's right. Communication is key. I, I, you know, I think the communication plan is one of the outputs of um, or is, 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 is part of the outputs that you're, you're going to be, be looking for uh, from stakeholder analysis or rather not an output, but the output of stakeholder analysis is going to feed into the development of that communication plan. Yes, exactly. So yeah. this, is, this is absolutely an enabling uh, activity that's going to facilitate the development of that communication plan and really facilitate communication throughout the entire project. So uh, at this point, Matt, I think we're almost at the end of the Bach talk. Do you have any closing comments, thoughts, or any other uh, message that you want to relay out to the community? Well, Yamo, uh, again, thank you very much for the time here. It's been uh, great to talk to you about stakeholder analysis, and I've really enjoyed being a guest here on Bok Talk. I think if I could uh, 
leave the community with one thing. I, I just like to say that, you know, you need to conduct stakeholder analysis. It's, it, it's something that is critical to the success of any project. And like I said at the opening here, regardless of the company, the industry, the role, project, methodology, stakeholder analysis is going to be critical to, to your success. And to continue that thought, don't just conduct stakeholder analysis at the beginning of your project. Conduct it throughout. Continually update that stakeholder profile. Continually reevaluate your stakeholders and include them throughout the project as you identify them. It's only going to make your life easier and the lives of everyone else on the project easier. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. Thanks for thanks again for coming on the show, Matt. Yamo, yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bog Talk and took away all the valuable key insights about stakeholder analysis and when you start your project or maybe you know next phase of your project or wherever you are whatever you're doing keep this thought in your mind that it is an ongoing activity you know it is essential it is important for the successful business analysis so having said that please remember to email me or dm me to get the details about the gathering in london and if you want to take up the next online prep course the first one for the new year please go to the bacoach.com forward slash online prep all one word and when you do sign up please make sure to select podcast as the source so that you get an additional hundred dollars off as a podcast listener so that's it from me for this episode guys i hope to see you on the bacoach.com bye for now